Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Invisible Hate. I'm Asad Butt. And I'm Sadia Khan. For our new listeners with us this week, Invisible Hate is a true crime podcast where we dissect one crime where the victim is usually a member of a minority group. And then Sadia and I debate it to see if it should be categorized as a hate crime. That's right, Asad. So basically, we are trying something new in the true crime genre, and we've been overwhelmed so far with the response we are getting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks to everyone who's been sending us feedback and comments about our first few episodes. We hope to share that feedback in the future. And now to today's story. Today's story takes us back 10 years to January 10th, 2013. We are in Valdosta, Georgia, a small city located in the southern part of the state. It has a population of about 56,000. It's a predominantly African-American community. About 56% of the population is black, 42% is white. And sadly, about a quarter of the population was living below the poverty line at that time. Valdosta is known for being the closest city to Moody Air Force Base and for its historical and cultural attractions. Like too many places in the South, though, it has a long history of racial tensions, which likely influenced the demographics and social dynamics of the community in 2013. So back to January 10th, 2013, it's 1.30 in the afternoon at the city's high school called Lowndes. A school camera shows Kendrick Johnson, a 17-year-old sophomore, walking into the school's old gym. Kendrick, who is known as KJ, is a funny, popular, athletic African-American teenager at the school. An important detail, he's five foot nine inches tall. In the gym, the cameras show Kendrick heading quickly toward the area where rolled up, upright wrestling mats are. These are all about six feet high, three feet wide, and secured with a strap. So just as an analogy, because it took me a little while to visualize this and I couldn't really understand it until I saw pictures of it, think of a new roll of paper towels and how there's a center area where the cardboard is that is just kind of an empty space. These mats are like that when they are rolled up. There's just without the cardboard. And so there's about 14 inches of empty space when a mat is rolled up. Asad, you're absolutely right. I had to Google just to see how these mats looked like because I'm a very visual person. And now I have a better understanding of how they look. Did you guys have these kind of gym mats growing up in Pakistan? I don't remember, Asad. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. No, we, wrestling was a sport at our high school. And so we had these type of wrestling mats. I don't remember them being rolled up um, uh, like this in our gym, but I'm sure across America, you know, most schools have a wrestling program. And so these mats are probably pretty common. 
Going back to the case at Lowndes um, High School, students are known to store their shoes and other things inside the mats during sports practice. And so they'd place their shoes into the mats and then after practice, get their stuff by tipping the mat over or just, you know, diving into the hole as, you know, teenagers do. Kendrick has a pair of Adidas sneakers that he shares with a friend and he and his friends store those shoes inside the mats when they aren't being used. And so going back to that day in the gym, activity is still happening all afternoon that day, which we know because there are a lot of cameras all over the place, upwards of 36 cameras, in fact. That's a large number. Yeah. And what's interesting is that Kendrick isn't in sight. In fact, the last time he is seen is near the mats at the edge of the gym. But as strange as it sounds, Sadia, the one camera that covers that area of the gym has incredibly bad resolution. Hmm. And so the recordings in general are jumpy. And we actually come to find out, Sadia, that one to two hours worth of footage directly following Kendrick entering the gym is missing from four cameras. Allegedly because of uh, the systems being out of sync and the motion sensors were not triggered. A very suspicious thing that we'll get back to. The next morning, Kendrick's lifeless body is found when a student enters the gym and sees socks sticking out of a mat. Kendrick is facing head down, feet up inside one of the rolled up mats, his face severely swollen and disfigured. So this is so sad. And going back to cameras, it's really suspicious that one camera that was focused on this area didn't work. And then there is this missing footage from other cameras. So that's a red flag for me. But what happened after he's found? Yeah, so blood is found below his body, along with his shoes. But there are no other injuries visible except for a contested small bruise on his jaw. The coroner is actually not called for several hours, Sadia. And in the meantime, Kendrick's body is moved and the scene is tampered with by the time that coroner arrives. It's unclear if that was kind of on purpose or just because of the commotion that was probably, you know, involved with discovering a student or a classmate, you know, dead in the gym. Later, the medical examiner would say that the cause of death was positional asphyxia, which is basically, you know, suffocation as a result of being in a position where you can't breathe because either your nose or mouth is blocked or your chest can't expand or something else. Wow. So I said, what do they think happened to him? Yeah, this is where it gets interesting, Sadia, for sure. So there are a couple competing theories about what happened. The first one from authorities is that Kendrick was sitting on top of the pile of mats and dropped a shoe into the mat and then he tries to go in and retrieve it and then gets stuck inside and wasn't able to get out. And so essentially, you know, got stuck and suffocated himself to death. The other theory from the family is that Kendrick was beaten and killed by two of his classmates. Hmm. These classmates are actually two brothers by the name of Brian and Brendan Bell. 
They are white and they're sons of a former FBI agent in Georgia. Now, according to reports, Kendrick and Brian, one of the brothers, were actually friends and teammates for years. But about a year before Kendrick died, they got into a fight on a school bus. I'm not sure why, but allegedly they had made up after the fight. And so this is, you know, again, a bit unclear. And so I just want to note that the Bells maintained their innocence and said they are being defamed. And actually, FBI video analysis shows that the Bell brothers were not actually there when Kendrick entered the gym. I said I can totally understand the family questioning the authorities, especially because of the missing footage. And I keep going back to that because that is an important fact, which I want our listeners to think about. Was there something else other things that happened that would have led the family and other people to be suspicious of the official narrative? Do we have any information on that? Yes, Ali, I think that's actually a, a great point. And I think, you know, this goes to people just being suspicious about authorities, uh, you know, in in their region. And rightly so. And rightly so. Yeah, I think that's right, especially for, for people of color like us. So, yeah, there are several inconsistencies and oddities about the case uh, and his death. And so the biggest things involve the crime scene itself. You know, in my head, I think of like CSI, the TV show, when it comes to crime scenes, you know, it's blocked off. They're taking pictures and samples and everything is being investigated and followed up upon. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. Right. First, remember how they found blood below his body. According to reports, there was actually no blood on the shoes that he was reaching for. That's strange. And it also seems that evidence that was initially examined, including like nearby clothing and an unusual blood spatter pattern on a wall, weren't followed up on. Uh And then according to the Johnson family, the paramedic report actually contradicts law enforcement theories, specifically that his torso, head, and arms were not stuck inside the mat. And so, you know, obviously, if that's not the case, then he couldn't have suffocated himself. And then there are just other things like, you know, other students in the gym that day were never interviewed. And then, you know, to the point that you brought up a couple times, you know, going back to those cameras, there actually isn't any footage of the law enforcement or the investigation after the body has been found until the body is being wheeled out on a gurney. And so there's like this kind of gap in time and and people are wondering what's happening. And then to me, one of the more kind of wild things about the case, after the autopsy, Kendrick's organs were not returned to the body. What? And later found to be missing, yeah, and replaced with newspaper. His fingernails were also removed. And the Georgia Bureau of Investigation basically says that they assume that the organs were disposed of because of advanced decomposition. I said this is just so crazy and almost unbelievable. The more details we hear, the more questions I have about the investigation, right? It seems either there was a cover-up of some sort or just complete incompetence from almost everybody involved. I said, what was the reaction from the community after this happened? As you can imagine, the community came out to demand answers. No peace! No justice! No peace! 
Supporters for Kendrick and his family rally outside the courthouse and in town. They believe that he was murdered because he was black and that the crime was disguised as an accident. About five months after his death, the family hires a forensic pathologist to do a second autopsy. So his body is actually exhumed and examined. And the pathologist says the cause of death is, quote, unexplained, apparent, non-accidental blunt force trauma to the neck. So basically, they're saying like something hit him in the neck. And that was the cause Mm. of death, not asphyxia. This is also when it was discovered that his organs were replaced with paper. So Asad, basically, the pathologist is in a way contradicting the initial theory, right? Which was very neatly structured and shared, which obviously also seems a bit too neat a narrative to share. I just can't imagine this family's reaction five months really five months afterwards to find all this out. So what happens next, Asad? Yeah, so Sadia, there are more rallies and demands that the governor begin an official investigation into Kendrick's death. The Department of Justice denies a request for a civil rights investigation after studying the case file, saying that there's not enough indication that his civil rights were violated. But regardless, federal prosecutors do start reviewing the case at the end of October 2013 at the request of the family, and that review lasts a year. And then I should note that other things are happening, you know, while all this stuff is going on. At one point, heavily armed federal agents raid the Bell House one morning, and the father soon retires from the FBI. The Bell family eventually leaves the state because of death threats and are under FBI protection, with Mrs. Bell saying, quote, I always have my 38 ready, you never know, the 38 being a reference to a gun. And at one point, the Johnson family is accused of cyberbullying the Bells and one of their girlfriends. In fact, the sheriff calls the case against the Bells a witch hunt and vows to make all evidence other than the grand jury minutes available to the public. And I just want to say again, the Bell brothers deny repeatedly any involvement in in what happened to Kendrick. I said, can I stop you here for a second? I have a question and I want to go back to what you just said about DOJ. So the DOJ denies a request for civil rights investigation, right? I wonder what kind of evidence do they have not to investigate or not to even entertain the idea? Do we have any information on that? Yes, Adia, I don't have the answer to that question. But, you know, if any of our listeners know how those decisions are being made, please let us know and we'll share it with everybody. Certainly, that would be important information for us to know. Right. Now, Sadia, in 2014, a third autopsy is conducted, this time by the Office of the Armed Forces Medical Examiner, and again, it rules accidental asphyxiation as the cause of death. And so now we're back to where we started. Um, And just a note, it was actually changed to undetermined in 2016 because of additional information that came about. Oh my gosh, Asad, there are so many inconsistencies, even... The cause of death has been changed 
a few times multiple times yeah so this again makes me pause and think as to what was really happening agreed and what's interesting is the difference between kind of the state medical examiners and independent medical examiners right like why is it that these two are finding results there are in opposition to each other presumably they're kind of doing the same kind of protocols and same kind of examinations and so it's really interesting to me as well that's a great point you know around this time sadia there were two actually individual confessions that were submitted to police at different times um but they were later ruled as hoaxes so just a lot of like interest in this case and like people wanted to know what was happening and then we started getting into kind of lawsuit territory you know for some family seeking information or justice or accountability you know you need to go through the courts in order for anything to happen and that's what it seems like the johnsons started to do hmm. and i fully support you know their plan of action here because like they're just trying to get to the bottom of what happened to their son right you know in 2014 they file a wrongful death lawsuit against the school for not investigating repeated harassment from a white student in this case one of the bell brothers um towards kendrick including that earlier bus incident that we talked about and also for not honoring Kendrick's constitutional right to equal protection because of his race. And then the following year the Johnsons filed a 100 million dollar civil lawsuit against nearly 40 people involved in the alleged murder and cover up. They actually withdrew the suit in 2016 and were ordered to pay up to $850,000 towards attorney fees. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Definitely. And then in February 2015, they sued the funeral home for negligence, namely for replacing the organs with newspaper, and I still can't believe that. It's just kind of shocking to me. Oh, so they thought it happened at the funeral home. I should have been clear on this. Yeah, so I think the thought was that the body got to the funeral home and because there were no organs there they placed newspaper and cotton and other things in the body which i i think it's somewhat standard practice for funeral home directors or or whatever embalmers to place cotton in bodies mm-hmm. but i think maybe what was happening is that nobody told the johnson family that this was actually happening and that his organs were you know gone which you know again for me is just shocking and the question is why were his organs missing right yeah presumably they were removed and examined during one of the autopsies yeah but as i said it just seems a bit too strange to me yeah i i don't disagree so as it did any of this work were the johnsons able to get the justice they were looking for at all Yeah, so Sadia in 2016 the DOJ investigation finally wraps up and they announced that sufficient evidence that anyone else was responsible for Kendrick's death was not found. So essentially saying that it was accidental. Hmm. Or that there wasn't enough information, yeah, for them to charge anybody else. Um and obviously this is not what the family was hoping for. So, you know, this the family still wants more to be done. Kendrick's father claims the FBI never cleared the Bell brothers. They just couldn't convict them and still believes that the brothers were involved. And in 2018, the Johnsons again asked that the body be exhumed and 
an independent forensic pathologist does another autopsy and again declares, quote, unexplained, apparent, non-accidental blunt force trauma, end quote, as the cause of death, but this time to the thorax, which is between the neck and the abdomen. So again, Sadia, we're going back and forth, back and forth mm. with these pathologists, which is just mind-boggling to me. But to your point, Asit, every time they hire independent pathologists, the autopsy results come out as unexplained, right? right? Exactly. And apparent non-accidental. So that tells me a lot. Yeah. And so by 2020, you know, seven years after this happened, the case has actually become more popularized. Millions have signed a petition to reopen the case, including celebrities like Kim Kardashian. Mm. And so in March of 2021, the case is officially reopened by the office of the current county sheriff. And that county sheriff rules in 2022, so just last year, that the death was an accident and that Kendrick likely got stuck when grabbing his shoes and that no foul play was involved. The Johnsons call the sheriff a liar, and then the sheriff actually puts up a reward of 500000 of his own cash for information leading to a conviction as a means to prove them wrong. Okay. So, Sadia, let's just pause right there, and let's talk a little bit about the case, and do we think that this is a hate crime? I said this is a tough one, although there are a lot of inconsistencies and back and forth on what actually happened. There's also missing evidence, right? So coroner's office was informed a few hours later. The scene was tampered with. And then on top of that, we see that there is an independent pathologist report and then state pathologist report, which do not match. So it's very difficult to say whether this was a hate crime or not, because we don't have enough evidence to rule one way or the other. But my heart tells me that there is a lot that is missing and a lot that needs to be investigated and revisited, especially because of all the inconsistencies that exist. Yes, Ali, I think you're exactly right. There is something here that doesn't pass the sniff test. And I think it starts with the cameras not working and things like the different autopsy reports and the newspaper in the body and the missing organs. And to me, you're right. It's hard to say whether or not this is a hate crime because, you know, we don't know all the facts. But, you know, the reason that I wanted to bring this story up with you, Sadia, was because I feel like there needs to be some sort of equivalent of a hate crime directed towards authorities who are covering up crimes. <laughs> and to me, this, like I said, something just doesn't seem right in terms of what the authorities did when investigating and examining this crime scene and what happened. And so, yeah, maybe it's not a hate crime, but it's something is is off. And I said, going back to your point, hate crime or not, the kid was bullied. And that, to me, is a very serious thing to happen to a teenager it really impacts kids right so when I think of how he was bullied for who he was that to me should have been investigated more like even people at school the administration should have paid more attention and to your point about holding 
authorities accountable for how they investigate hate crime absolutely i think right now there is no measure where we can say well authorities did not do a good job because it's a hate crime and honestly crimes perpetrated against minorities are not taken seriously they fall out of news cycles very easily there should be some measure or some yardstick where we can see how authorities are taking these crimes and how seriously they are taking them I think for me if Kendrick's parents didn't have the means to exhume the body, you know, the first time and and do that examination, you know, that probably cost a lot of money, right? And so from there we started learning a lot a lot more details and a, a lot of, you know, information about what could have happened potentially to him and his cause of death. And so I think you're exactly right, Sadia. It's sad to me that there are probably families out there that are getting this type of investigation into what happened to their loved ones because they just don't have the means to publicize it or to investigate it and you know they're stuck in the system. I said it's sad, it's frustrating and it doesn't give them closure. Yeah. At the end of the day they lose a loved one but they don't get the closure that they deserve. It's a great point. And I think because of that it's so important to take these crimes seriously and do a thorough investigation so i said what's the latest yeah so it's been 10 years sadia and kendrick's parents say they're still looking for the truth and you know sadia there's only so much that we can share with our listeners in these kind of short podcasts but mm. if you want to learn more there was a documentary that came out 2 years ago about the whole crime it's called finding kendrick johnson it details a four-year undercover investigation and it's narrated by uh the actress Jennifer Lewis from Blackish and told from the perspective of Kendrick's friends and family and for our listeners if you have additional information about the case please do share it with us we will share it on our socials we may even share it in our upcoming episodes because at the end of the day our hope and our goal is to keep these cases front and center so that people are aware and these crimes don't happen again now i'm not saying it was a hate crime because we don't have enough evidence but whatever happened his parents deserve to know the truth agreed and that's what we are searching for so i said how can our listeners learn more or help Yes, Adia. So the family actually has a Facebook page, so facebook.com/rip Kendrick Johnson. Check it out. And then also if you want to learn more about the case, there's a website called justiceforkendrickjohnson17.org. We'll have links to both of those in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Invisible Hate. Please follow us on all the socials. Search for Invisible Hate podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. We'd love to hear from you about this case or your thoughts in general on what we're doing. You can also email us at info@invisiblehatepodcast.com. At Invisible Hate is a joint production of Rafaelion Media and Immigrantly. We'd like to thank our team, which includes Michaela Strather, Isabel Havens, Lindsay Gamble, and Prama Chakravarty. Our music was done by Simon Hutchinson. Join us back here next week for another hate crime for us to analyze. Until then, I'm Asad Butt and I'm Sadia Khan. Thanks. Thanks.